Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 162 of the Curtain Call podcast. I hope everyone is staying safe out there as theaters and live events open up and productions begin to pick up pace. Now, we've got an incredibly inspiring guest for this episode, a theater professional helping theater professionals, fans, families, and friends, and many, many more people. And speaking of professionals, for those of you who are theater, entertainment, and live events professionals, head on over to CurtainCallOnline.com and check out our new platform. Sign up, build out your profile, start getting found for work. It is simply that easy. But uh, for this week's guest, now Matt and I know exactly what it is like to produce a coffee table book. We've done it. We've got the scars. It's always a great idea until you start to begin to actually realize that you, you know, need to get out there and go make the thing. And make the thing is exactly what this week's guest most certainly did. And in style. Andrew Norlin is a New York-based artist and performer, most recently on stage in the national touring company of Broadway's Kinky Boots. And during lockdown, uh, Andrew was at a loss as to what his performing career was going to look like when it you know, returned, when things opened up, if indeed they ever were going to open up, and when he'd ever get back to see the people that he loved and worked with. And he felt he needed to do something to get both creative uh, well, and express himself and also serve as a catharsis to acknowledge and work through the feelings that he and his fellow professionals were experiencing. His book, When the Lights Are Bright Again, started out as a little seed of an idea and grew into a book with stunning photography from Broadway photographer Matthew Murphy and over 200 contributions from theater veterans, theater goers, theater dreamers, ushers, designers, creatives, you name it. They all sent letters in and they are all in there. It is a love letter itself to the arts and to theater, but more importantly to humanity and how we all need each other in a time of darkness. We're thankful that Andrew was able to find time to sit down with Matt Humphrey and I to take us through his incredible journey. Have a listen. Andrew, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. It's really exciting what you're doing. Um, Matt and I are fully aware of what it takes to put a theater book together, <laughs> having done it ourselves. And 
it just looks like a huge undertaking. <laughs> the amount of people that you reached out to, the amount of work, and you say it set it out. It started out as a, almost like a passion project that helped you find a bit of identity during the pandemic, and then oh, it just grew in scope, and it, it yeah. just became a, a, a had a life unto itself. Just wondering, Andrew, just to start things off here. Take us back to the the genesis, the progenitor of When the Lights Are Bright Again, which is a fantastic, a fantastic project. And I can't wait to get my hands on it. Yes, amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it started, I was I was living back home with my parents, um, as so many were during COVID, um, for the first time in a decade, 24-7 together. So just learning each other as adults again and everything that everybody knows that entails yeah, And it was about six months in and I just really hit a wall. I hit a wall creatively. Uh, I realized that I wasn't uh, taking dance classes online anymore because it just was, um, it, I didn't want to do it anymore. I, I didn't want to keep numbing myself. Uh, the clincher was about three weeks before this sort of breakdown I had at dinner with my parents. My mom said, Andrew, why have you stopped singing around the house? And that just destroyed me. Like hearing my mother, who is my world, and hearing her say, why have you stopped singing around the house? Which since I've lived away from home for 10 years, like she loves when I come home because she loves that I'm singing in the shower and just singing is how I express myself. And Amazing. My whole life. And so that was like the clincher. And so that was just kind of in the back of my mind. And it was this one night at dinner, I just sort of, everything sort of came to a head. It was that perfect storm moment where I was like, am I going to be paying off this student debt till the day I die? I hate that I don't have a huge savings account. I hate that I'm experiencing this, this, this COVID and this pandemic alone. And so many of my friends and peers have significant others. And uh, am I ever going to go back to, to New York, to this, to my chosen family, to my tribe back in New York and, and be around them again? And there was just no end in sight. That was very much the middle of all of that, of being home in, in isolation with my family. And sure. And I wouldn't change it for the world. I, I, I am so happy that I was able to have that time and, and to be spend time with my niece and nephew that I never would have had. But so yeah, this I, I had a sort of a breakdown at dinner. And the next day I was uh, at the gym trying to sweat it out and get over my, get over myself <laughs> and my ego. And I was uh, chatting with one of my best friends, McKenna, who I grew up with in children's theater when I was little. And she said to me, she said, she kind of checked me at the door. She's like, mm. Andrew, have you, have you written about it? You write about everything else. And I was like, what do you mean? I knew exactly what she meant, but I didn't want to go there. <laughs> and, and she was like, you know, like, what if you wrote a letter to yourself or a letter to the business? Like when we mm. write an email that we never send, but just saying our words out loud makes us feel better. And she was like, what if you wrote a letter to the business about what you miss as a way to grieve? And my wheels just started spinning. Like mm. I did not sleep for three days. I had all these ideas of titles in my head. Uh, I was, I was every dinner I was having, we were going over to my sister and uh, her uh, husband, my brother-in-law and their kids house down the street from my parents. And, and I was just like, I was like, I have this idea. What do you guys think? Like, I would not shut up about this for like three days straight, just like <laughs> bouncing ideas off of all of them. Cut to three days later, I was like, I think when the lights are bright again, like every time I said it, I got these, these like effervescent chills and this feeling of like, 
this is right. Like this overwhelming feeling inside me, like, I don't know what this is going to become, but if I do this right and just keep putting one foot in front of the other, this could become something really special. So that's kind of how it was born. It's amazing. It's a, it's a wonderful story. And I, like John, cannot wait to get my hands on a copy. But I love the premise of it, you know, reaching out to different people to write their love letter to the industry. Right. Because it was such a unique time. There will never be, hopefully, fingers crossed, but I really do feel like <laughs> it will never be like that again. Yeah. To have capsulated that must have been a really special experience for you. It was, it was the, it sort of began, um, with people submitting through, we created, I created a Google form, um, through the website and people, uh, if they were interested could submit their letter through the Google form. And at that time I kept saying when I was home that I wanted it to be a coffee table book. And my sister kept also, um, just like McKenna checking me at the door being like, you know, like if you want it to be a coffee table book, you, you gotta have photos, dude. Like you, it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a book if it's just letters. Yeah. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> so there was a lot of people that had submitted letters before I reached out to Matt Murphy. And that connection came because uh, Matt was the resident photographer and, and took our photos for the closing company of the Kinky Boots National Tour that I was on. And so that's how me and him connected. And he was just like in my mind. And it, it was just the perfect timing. Like he, uh, we connected because I had just seen, that's what it was. I had just seen him do the series at the Al Hirschfeld with like five or six members of the Moulin Rouge cast mm -hmm. where they, he took them, they returned back into the theater and took these gorgeous Danny Burstein, Robin Herter, these gorgeous photos of them, like in the middle of COVID, just some with masks on, some without. And it was just them like in isolation with their whole theater that had been dark and dusty. And I was like, oh my God, like that's the kind of photography I want. And so then mm. I reached out to him and it was just like the perfect timing. Whenever he's asked this question, uh, he always says, Andrew's email came across my kitchen counter at the perfect morning because I don't know what crazy uh, amount of coffee I had that morning, but he said, I don't want to, because I asked him, I was like, do you want to like submit some pictures you've already taken of people and we can ask them to submit letters? And he was like, let's do a whole new brand new photo series from scratch. <laughs> and now he looks back and he's like, Oh my God, we were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, remember those Remember those days when we just were so naive and what work it would involve uh, to, to put a coffee table book together. Yeah. That's why we're so... Yeah, it's a, so, it's a uh, huge undertaking. Uh, I mean, at that point, did you know the scale that it was going to get to? Did you have a goal of what you were trying to achieve? Were you trying to get like hundred people involved or 50 people or 20 or like what what did they look like in your head at that point yeah once matt matt got on board at the beginning of march and at that point the whole plan was to self-publish which now when i look back at it at like how many people have gotten this book and how excited people have become and this the scale like you just said of what it's become i'm like in what universe did I ever imagine I was, I would literally be sitting here in my office in New York city, like literally like mailing things. I would be a should be, I would be the USPS system out of my house. <laughs> that was never, I have no idea why we ever thought that was a good idea. Um, but truly it just, the, the more people bought into the idea and the more people were like, Oh, this is helping me. The more we had to pivot and realize, okay, this has to become bigger than us. Yeah. And I always have said that I've said that to my team the entire time the entire year. And I've been trying to say that to myself, like the, every single time I get out of my own way and I take myself out of it and remind myself, even like what you just asked me, like 
what like kind of goals did I have? There was of course like moments. That's the only way that I like that I can keep going in something this massive and creative, like is trying to have these sort of mile markers and sort of an intention behind what I'm doing. And there was always intention, but sort of these goals when we were going to self-publish of what I wanted it to maybe look like. And it was truly just the perfect storm of everything happening. I, I, I was so, um, inundated with trying to focus on this and sort of my body while I was home in Oregon with my family just was telling me it's time to go back to New York. It's time you've been here for 11 and a half months. You've got to go. So I came back to New York and I just spent the first few months. I was still on unemployment, uh, making my house a home because I love interior design. That's what I grew up doing. That's what my mom does. And I, uh, got the idea to reach out to our, now our publisher, um, from this coffee table book that my uh, drama teacher from children's theater gave me when I was when I was a little kid. When I graduated from high school, she wrote this beautiful note inside one of the Playbill Broadway yearbooks, which they don't print anymore. Um, yeah. But when they were printing those, she gave me that as a gift of the shows that were on Broadway the year that I graduated high school. And she was like, I'm so proud of you for chasing after your dream. And I picked this up one day and I like just really needed to read that letter she had, Catherine had written, written me in the front of it. And then I turned it over and I was like, oh, this is published by Applause TV and Cinema Books and Theater Books. And I was like, my wheels just started spinning. And then I kind of put it down. And then like a few weeks passed. And then I picked it up again and I reached out to their info at email and like went about my day's to-do list. And it's 20 minutes later, I, my, I get this email in my inbox from this guy named John from his personal email that says, Andrew, I just watched your video and I just read your pitch and I'm very, very intrigued. Can I call you right now? And I was like... <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, he called me on the phone. We talked for an hour. I was late to work that day. I did not give a shit. Um, he, he basically was like, he was like, I really, really love this idea. Nobody's doing this. This is really special. He was like, how much do you have done? And I was like, oh, God. And uh, he goes, he, he goes, is this when you get honest? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, he goes, how much do you have done? And I was like, well, um, and to timeline wise, right when me and him are having this conversation, one week before that was when they had just announced the the Broadway return of the September 14th date. Like everything was super ominous until then, which is why me and Matt felt we had a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly Broadway's like, we're back on September 14th. And we were like, shit. <laughs> so, Wait, hang on, um, this, this is 2021 you're talking about this year? This year, yeah. So you had that conversation with the publisher in 2021. Correct. We, we, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my goodness. I thought, I thought we were talking about the previous year. Okay. This, no. this is really helpful. No. Put the dates in, put the dates in. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a conversation this, this year, 2021 uh, with Matt and got him on board. Cause I had the idea in, in late November, early yeah. November of 2020. Then people oh, submitted God. letters until, and, and finished submitting letters in March. Matt came on board in March. We did not, I did not talk to the publisher until May 5th and the publisher did not come on board until the first week of June. What? And then we did, oh, okay. we did 45 photo shoots in the month of June. What? Whoa. And, and then, uh, we had to turn the book in by July 1st. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh, I've got so many questions, but carry on. I know. <laughs> but back to what I, but what I said before. So the bananas thing and i'm so glad we're talking about this because on all the interviews any i haven't i haven't talked about the timeline yet and i, mm. I think it's just hilarious because when I, I just have to laugh because when i was in it i was like so 
we were all so tired. Yeah. Um, but in the best way, as I'm sure you both know. So when I talked to him on the phone, he was like, Andrew, you got to realize like books that are coming out. And he said to me, what's your timeline? And I said, well, uh, John, now that Broadway's coming back with full force, it sounds like, I said, we can't really publish a book called When the Lights Are Bright Again seven months after the lights have been bright. So our timeline is kind of now, like this fall. And he was like, okay. He goes, just so you know, books that are published this November were picked up minimum last November. And he's like, now granted, he he said, it's not impossible. I will never forget this. He's like, it's not impossible, but it's going to be really hard. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I can do really hard. We've done That's COVID. Fine. I can do really That's hard. <laughs> So, so he was like, let me do some, have some conversations. Let me, let me talk to my people um, and see how we could do this. He's like, at that time, he goes, how much of the book do you have designed? And I said, I don't have a designer yet. Oh, I didn't have a page designed of this book. And we were still at that point, we had done three photo shoots. There's 50 in the book. Oh my Lord. And so I'm telling this to him. I'm trying to get him to buy into this idea while I'm telling him all of the stuff we don't have done. <laughs> and um, I'm like, crap. So we hang up. Um, I did not, for lack of a better term, and he didn't because he was working on on getting it greenlit. But um, it felt like because we were, you know, like once you have someone interested, now you're waiting for the gatekeeper, of course. Yes. So we didn't talk. He like basically ghosted me for three weeks. Um and we didn't talk and I was like, okay, so this is done. Like we just kept pursuing self, self-publishing. Um, I went on to Z. I found uh, an amazing designer. Her name's Asia Blue. She lives here in the city. Um, incredible woman. We met for coffee. Uh, I'm telling her this story about how I connected with John at Applause. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's such a good lead. And, and we're talking about self-publishing at this coffee on 47th and 9th because I haven't heard from him. And in the perfect universe way of this book, I get, I were sitting, I'm sitting with Asia at this thing. I get an email on my phone while I am sitting with the designer that I've um, already chosen from John that says, I'm, I'm having a meeting with the higher ups on Thursday. This is a Tuesday morning. I'm with Asia at the coffee shop. And it says, I'm having a meeting on Thursday. Um, the project's going to probably get greenlit. I need you to do this, this, and this before Thursday. Do you think you can do that? And I said, yes. He said, how much more do you have done? By that point, Asia had designed like five pages beautifully. We sent those off. We sent this whole pitch deck of all of my plans for publicity and all of that, like sort of the marketing plan that we had made that we were going to do, whether we had a publisher or not. And they were incredibly impressed. And so, and then by Friday morning, they told us it was a yes and that we were good for a November 1st publication date. Oh, we, had to get the book, we had to get the book turned in by July 1st. So then it just was like full steam ahead. Wow. I, oh, I might need to change oh. clothes, Matt, because I'm sweating. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I know, I know the pressure. We know the pressure. You're, you're talking to uh, people who have drunk that Kool-Aid of wanting to get a coffee table book out there, and the pressure to the design yeah. and is yeah. huge. I mean, we had time. That, we thought we didn't have time because we put ourselves under. Seventh, eight, eight month window, Matt. Um, I'm feeling all of those emotions all over again. Oh. I, I, I never <laughs> thought I would do. Like, you know, we started out thinking um, that we were going to do an annual book, Andrew. So, and then, you know, we were shooting throughout a whole year, just to give you a little bit of context. But so we yeah. we went backstage um, in London to a total of about 70 productions over the course of a year. 
so we'd go and watch the show, then we'd go and shoot backstage live whilst it was happening. Um, the vast majority of those shoots kind of happened in the last two months. And so we kind of come round to January the 6th of whatever year it was. And that was our last shoot. And we were publishing on the 1st of March. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> we had, we had a bit more of the book designed by that point. We yeah. basically had like, um, two weeks to kind of design the entire book, which was 430 pages. Uh, and then get that turned around and printed and uh, out to distributors for uh, a March the 4th publishing day. Wow. So w- we can thoroughly comprehend the situation <laughs> that you guys were in. Yeah, and it yeah. sounds like an even tighter deadline, which is just crazy. So, I mean, first of all, congratulations on, on getting it done. <laughs> like, I do not know how you're still alive, um, <laughs> but well done. That's a question. Uh, I don't either. <laughs> um, but I mean, how, I'm intrigued. Like, so when because we did stupidly self-publish our own our book, so we did not have a publisher. But I'm intrigued with with the publisher. How much of the workload do they take on in terms of distribution, sign off, copy writing? You know, all of that kind of side of things. Yeah, so because uh, of the like philanthropic element of um, of the book going to the Actors Fund per copy yeah. sold ev- everywhere in the world forever, because we were a drop in title, they had a little bit of uh, in their budget left for a drop in title, which was back to him saying like it's not impossible, but it's going to be really hard. Mm. And we did a partnership instead of a traditional um, book deal, which allowed us to make more money for the Actors Fund per copy, and because of how tight the timeline was, so. What was pretty cool about that is that that allowed us to maintain um, maintain rights for for the photos and the letters and intellectual property and stuff and all of that all of that legalese and stuff as you guys both know I'm sure and yeah so that sort of um, allowed us a lot of freedom but because of the tight timeline like the designer that was out of pocket for me that wasn't something that they that they did it was it was they were allowing us the reach which is what they were going to yeah. bring to the table like yeah. the fact like i said before that i didn't need to become a distribution center out of my tiny little office right here yeah, yeah. they now the book can go to all these distributors and they i think we probably we would never have had such we would never have had such a beautiful product without without their help yeah so where has it kind of gone to um yeah it's at uh it's everywhere it's uh in it's on amazon it's in barnes and noble um it's at the local like when i saw it on the shelf at the drama bookshop here in new york city i left freaked out um it's it's at target online it's it's everywhere books are sold yeah there's uh i have friends i lived in australia for a little bit um and worked there and i had friends that were like it's on it's it's here too so that like that blows my mind it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey everyone, this is Salisha Thomas from Black Hair in the Big Leagues, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. 
Welcome back to the Curtain Call Podcast. So tell me about that moment, because I remember that very well with when you receive the first copy of the book and you open it up. Talk me through that. Yeah, I actually did. That was for my family, especially. I I did a, an Instagram live to, to do the unboxing here at my apartment. And we were me and Matt were planning to do it together. But he <laughs> he was so impatient. And he's like, I have to know what the photography looks like. I just want you to open them without me. Um, and cause that was the other, that was the other concern. Like, because we were doing it on such a tight timeline, there was almost just because of the nature of, of printing right now and, and everything and proofing. And yeah. So I never, I never saw photos printed on the paper. I never saw physical proofs ever in this process. Wow. I saw things on a PDF and then I saw and like an advanced reader copy that was like black and white, like printed on regular, like crappy printer paper, um, like spiral bound. And, but that wasn't a proof. It had already, that was the advanced reader copy. It was already done. It was already sent mm. to print. And I like saw that. So the only thing we had to like beg um, to get 10, we were allowed to pick 10 photos um, for Matt to check the color on the type of paper um, and he was like in the middle of a shoot in LA and he, they got sent to his, where he was staying to his hotel, these 10 pictures before we were allowed to like say and sign off. We like, it was very, very hard. They were like, we don't have the timeline for this. It was just them doing their job. Mm-hmm. Like everybody in this, it, they're like, if you want it November 1st, like we got to keep going. Um, yeah. and we were like, we have to see these pictures printed the way on the, on the size of paper, all of it. And so Matt was like, okay, yes, you have to go ahead. But like, truly like. I had only ever seen it on a, on a computer screen. So the feeling the day I got to open this box and like, it felt like I was like stepping into a new car. The smell was just unbelievable. And it was just to see something that, to see something that was this little idea in my mind that if I'm being totally, totally real. So my sister has always called me an idea man and she often teases me because she's like, sometimes you're a little bit cart before the horse before you think about how you're going to do it. I'm I'm very much like big, <laughs> like the macro yep. first before the before the micro. We can relate. It, yep. is, it is the double edged sort of of who I, of my being. Mm. But when I opened this, when I had that idea last year, like I said, there was something inside of me that was like, if I do this right, this is going to change my life, and it's going to change my life not for my own benefit. It's going to change my life of, of reminding me of why I do this. And it truly has done that. When I opened up the box to see this book and this thing that sure it was my idea, but I, it is really important to me to remind people that this book doesn't exist without the theater community. This book doesn't exist without humans being willing and vulnerable to share their struggle to share their joy to share their grief and to remind anyone because this book is not a broadway book this book is not this book is sure it's told through the lens of the theater community during this time um but this this book is so much more a book about the human condition and what we all went through during covid um Mm. i think i think humanity can relate to this book way more than they think they can And that's what I keep trying to remind people when they ask me is because when I opened up the box, I just felt like enormous pride, but I felt pride. I wasn't proud of myself. I was proud of these 207 people that were brave and and vulnerable and willing enough to say, yes, this is going to help me to, to, to feel the same feeling that I got to pass on. 
And really, I have to give credit to my friend McKenna. Like, it really wasn't fully my idea. The book was my idea. But this idea of saying, I need to write down what I'm going through so that it's mm. not consuming me so much anymore. Mm. I need to put pen to paper and and speak out my trauma from this time, this shared grief we've all been through. I need to speak it out so that it's not consuming my life and so that I can move on. That's been the coolest thing is like people in the book saying, Andrew, I haven't even read my letter in months and months and I'm so scared to read it. Like, I don't think I'm in the same place I was when I wrote it. And I'm like, that's what a beautiful thing. That's the point. What an incredible historical document, basically, of that time. And as you say, not obviously through the lens of Broadway, through the lens of theatre and performing and whether whether it was, you know, working in a theatre or attending as an audience member or performing, but a record of the human condition through that time, that that is really unique. What, what I mean, a great concept, but yeah. I, I'm really interested to hear about the types of people that wrote those letters, the variety of people, and, and maybe one or two of the stories that, particularly resonated for you if, if if you can divulge the the hardest thing to do number one the hardest thing was just as we kept receiving more and more it was it was overwhelming to see to actually see the scope of what people had had been through during the year mm. um, people sharing stories of people they lost to covid people sharing stories of the ways in which racial injustice in our country and our world were directly affecting their day-to-day life and their their vulnerability and willingness to stand up and to speak about it and sort of what i love about the book is that it's not it, it has nothing to do with fame the people that are big 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 names in this book are not talking about their resume in this book they're talking about things that like probably before this time, before this grand reckoning, our country as the United States and our world has been through in terms of racial injustice specifically, people are talking about things that like, quote unquote, maybe their team or their manager, or their agent would say to them, don't bring that up. Don't talk about that in the public eye. That might ruin your career. And people don't care anymore. And that's what I love. That's what this book is about. It was really important to me for it to be political, for it to be, um, and not political in a polarizing way, but political in the sense of talking about the real shit the shit that matters, that's really important to me. And for us to not, like someone that is a teenage dreamer dreaming of their day in the spotlight on a Broadway stage can be, is in this book and can be next to a Tony winning actress. And they're, they're the same. Mm. Like it's a reminder they're in the same book. They're printed in the same ink. Their, their experience is the same. And what they've been through is the same. So what I wanted to share was the most overwhelming thing was figuring out what am I going to do to sort of create a digestible way for people to take in the book because we have all these letters. I can't just like willy nilly, like put them like all in what order are they going to go in? So this, I had this idea to sort of create chapters. That is how I interpreted sort of the journey we went on during COVID. So the first chapter is time. So it's sort of this idea of like, we were given this gift of time we all never asked for, but what are we going to do with it? And then that moves to grief, sort of this shared grief that the world is going through. And then how do you go through that? And that goes into justice and creativity, connection, magic, present, joy, essential, healing, hope, and remember. And so I just wanted to, all of the chapters, I sort of laid out all of these letters and read each one once or twice through and sort of picked out like what I would describe as like the nugget 
of each person's letter. Now, granted, each person's letter could go into many, many different chapters. It's up for interpretation. That's what art is, which is the beauty of it. But sort of how I wanted to curate it and how I saw it, I wanted to create something, a coffee table book. Like if you sat down, I did an interview last week and she was like, I read the whole book cover to cover this weekend. And I was like, oh my God, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That would, that is just a lot. That's a lot emotionally to handle. And so I wanted to create something that especially specifically for people in the theater community that buy this and own this and keep this in their homes. I wanted to create something that maybe you go and you have a really crappy audition and, and you are like feeling really inside yourself and inside your head and feeling like, where am I in this business? You can come and you can turn to a chapter. If what you're needing is a pick me up, you can turn to the chapter about joy and you can read stories from people that have incredible, like illustrious careers right next to, like I said before, right next to someone that is like in the trenches of the hustle with you too. And realize that like, you are not alone. Or if you're in the middle of really, really deep pain and grief and you're, you're trying to convince yourself that it's okay for you to walk away from New York for a hot second or take time for your family, you can turn to the chapter about grief and you can remind yourself that I'm not alone in this business and the business doesn't define me, but my job is a job. And it's just, it's so, it's very validating. And I wanted to create something, like I said, that was digestible and that wasn't someone like searching for inspiration. They You can turn to these chapters when you need them. Mm. I love that, that concept. I think that's wonderful. It was quite interesting that last example that you gave there of, you know, whether you're grieving or, or in a position where a family member has passed away for whatever reason, like finding that connection, but also being giving your yourself permission to take that time out as well. Yeah, because we're we're also aware of the pr- pressures that the industry does put on us yes. as freelancers. I mean, I was sat in a coffee shop just two days ago in London and list eavesdropping. I love eavesdropping to a couple of dancers, and one of them was just saying, "So, when when did you tell the company manager about your grandmother?" And she's like, "I haven't. I, I don't know how to tell them." But I just need, I need to take time off, but I don't know how to take time off. I don't know. This is my first job. So how do I, how do I explain that and not put myself in a situation where I'm going to be cast as somebody who's unreliable or whatever. And it's all that side of the industry is really important to kind of remember that actually we're humans first, not performers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I have a couple more questions because we we were keeping you long longer than the twenty minutes I thought it would take. But this is yeah, fascinating. Oh, I could talk to you for hours. Yeah, I'd like to preface this question with saying that the Actors Fund is possibly the best philanthropic organization for the arts there is. They just know how to raise the funds and support. I wish we had something like that over here in the UK. We don't, and we desperately need something that has that power and impact when they say we're raising for something it happens so there are two things that just kind of hit me when i went on the the website your website and one was to see that all proceeds were going to the actress fund and also mentioning um, nick cordero which was just one of those stories where we were filled with hope when amanda said oh he's awake and then things were happening and it just I still get goosebumps and sad and it's still just that whole 
that was that was just my almost my memory for quite some time about COVID in the arts was Nick Cordero. How is Nick doing today? When was the decision that that was going to be what um, organization benefited from when the lights are bright again? Yeah. So the moment that I had the idea, I, I, I knew, I knew in a strange way, I knew the only, there's just something inside of me that said, this needs to be something that's giving, it's giving back to the community. If the, if, if I am going to ask such a tall order of, of people in the community during this time, because I know how, how hard it is to write the letter. I literally started the project and didn't write my letter until March when I reached out to Matt, I was like receiving <laughs> letters before I ever wrote one. Talk about being an idea man and club for the horse. Um, but I knew, I was like, if I'm going to, this has to give back to us in some way, if I'm going to ask people to, to be, divulge so much information of their heart and their soul and be brave to share their experience during this time. So then my wheels started spinning and I was like, okay, like, who do I reach out to? And Actors Fun was fresh on my mind because I actually, a month before that, had just had a zoom cocktail hour of course we all were doing that um with my my national tour kinky boots cast with some friends and my friend uh andrew poston he was sharing with us um that the actors fund had like paid his rent for three or four months during covid and i just like that blew my mind and then it like reminded me because i was home in oregon it was just wasn't like in that world or thinking about it and as i alluded to at the beginning of the interview like kind of was avoiding those feelings and really thinking about the business at all and when he said that, that just stuck with me. So then when I had this idea, I was like, oh my gosh, that is, if I'm going to ask people to share their their truth, why don't, when people buy the book and read these people's stories, the money they use to buy the book goes back into helping our business and helping the people in the business. Because it's about, the Actors Fund is about the people. It's not about the business. Mm. And which is such a beautiful thing. So I reached out to um, a guy named Douglas Ramirez and I called him probably a week into having this idea right after I had like bought the domain name for the website and knew I wanted it to be called When Lights Are Bright Again. And I like pitched this to him on the phone and I'm saying all of these things and he stops me. I will never forget. That's probably my favorite story of the whole book creation. And he goes, Andrew, I'm going to stop you. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But he was like, I have heard, he's like, I'm wiping away tears. I have heard so many pitches for ideas of how people can help us this entire summer. This was 2020 last year. Wow. And he goes, I have heard nothing like this. This is really special. We would love to be a part of this. Oh. And at that point, there were so many, so many things I didn't know. But he has been, they have been so supportive this entire time. And I would have had it no other way. And so that's how that came to be. And later on, I knew similar to what you just said, I, I knew that I wanted it to be dedicated to Nick because just watching the way in which Amanda chose to be resilient, chose joy over, over um, cowering away in her grief, yeah. chose being present with her community and leaning. It was just such a picture of um, a picture of choosing the people in her life and like that, like the dictionary definition of, of, um, of bravery. I was just yeah. so enamored mm -hmm. by, by her deciding to, to choose Elvis and to choose her family and to choose Nick. And, and she knew, and the, the whole singing with him across the world at oh. three o'clock every day, it was just, yeah. it was amazing what she created and she was creating space for her husband 
and he wasn't even awake. But I, I, I read her book, which is beautiful. You should buy it. And just, again, her leaning into that is just such a picture of what the community is. And it's so clear that like who she is, is, is a product of tenacity and is a product of, of how hard the hustle can be, but like of, of reinvention and that, that that's what creative artists do. That's what we do. We, we have to find the hope and the light and the flame inside of the pain. And so I was just so, just like you said, I was so inspired and just following that journey from my, from my house in Oregon mm. with her the whole time and just enraptured by her, her choice to choose her family every day over, over, over wallowing in her grief. Now, granted, yeah. everyone needs to take the time that they need. And I don't, I don't say wallowing lightly. I know that that is a moment and a time anybody needs in any journey, mm. but it was just so admirable that she was like. I'm not really doing a service to him in this moment of him fighting if I'm not asking for help and asking for people to fight with me. So it was just so there was just no question. I was like, it has to be dedicated to Nick. That's amazing. Andrew, this has been fascinating. I, like I said, I could talk to you for, for many, 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 many more hours. And yeah. this is a phenomenal project. Um, I cannot wait to read it. Anyone and everyone should go to uh, whenthelightsarebrightagain.com to find out a bit more about the book, about the why, about a bit more about Andrew and a bit uh, more about Matthew. Oh, I've got so many questions for Matthew, but anyway, that's a different I, interview. I know. <laughs> I mean, it might have to be a follow-up podcast because yeah. it is incredible. But um, is there anything you'd, uh, lastly, just to round this up before we we head off, is there anything that you'd really like people to to kind of go away with the book, if, if, if in just top top line scope, you know they they got it, they lived through it. What is your your hope that they put the book down and 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 kind of walk away from their coffee table? What is it that you really like them to to take away from that book? Yeah, so there's actually there's actually a space in the back of the book um, where I invite you to write your own letter and to be a part of of this process and to be a part of the book because I want it to keep going. And um, that invitation is is forever. And I hope that um, I hope that don't feel like you need to sit down and write your letter the moment that you get your the book in your house. I think that you will know when you're supposed to let out whatever it is you're going through right now in your life, and and write that down into this book and let go of it and realize that there is there is a space for you. There's a space for. Um, the grief that you're in the middle of there's a there's a space for the joy that you're in the middle of i think there's also a lot of like there's a lot of fear right now around what we share and how we share it and uh am i allowed to be in joy right now because there's so many people in pain and i think that all of it's relative and i think that if you have perspective and if you have if you're entering everything with intention and kindness i think that there is a space for you to be celebrating your joy and joys in your life in the midst of utter grief those things can be happening inside of you at the exact same moment and you don't need to shame yourself out of out of asking for help when you need it or asking for someone to to celebrate you when you need it too so um everything and what you're experiencing is valid and i just would encourage you to pick up this book if there's someone that's a theater lover in your life it's a great idea for a holiday or a christmas present um and 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 invite them invite them to write their letter and 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 tell them that you heard this podcast and you thought of them and that's just sort of my mantra and my mission and everything that I do and create and put out into the world is is I want I want to remind people that that they have value and that even in the midst of hardship or grief or trials in your life 
there is a space for you and you are loved and you're enough. Bam. A perfect coda. That's a great coda, yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. It's a uh, catharsis, this whole project. I can see that for you. So thank you for sharing it with us. Um, Not only is it a beautiful photography book, but a worthy cause and, and everybody involved in it should be very proud of it. So well done. Thank you. Thanks. Andrew Norlin, artist and performer and now author of When the Lights Are Bright Again. If you're looking for the perfect Christmas present for the theater fan this year, look no further. Go to whenthelightsarebrightagain.com and nab your copy today. Now, before I go, just a few housekeeping bits. Quick reminder that you can download and subscribe to the podcast from the Apple Podcast app or from iTunes. That way your feed will be automatically updated. But you can also listen to us on other podcast streaming services such as Stitcher, Google Play, Our Heart Radio, all those lovely things. And also spare a, f- a few seconds to help us reach more theater lovers by leaving us a review or rate. Uh, it's great. You can follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Curtain Call, all one word. You can follow me at John Schwab, J-O-H-N-S-C-H-W-A-B. We'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast. Get in touch with us via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned or write to me at john at curtaincallonline.com. Now, don't forget to sign up to get a free profile in Curtain Call. If you are a theater, live events, or entertainment professional, go to curtaincallonline.com, sign up. Uh, we've launched a new platform. We were funded by Innovate UK to help get professionals back to work. So it doesn't matter where you live in the world. Sign up for a free profile. Do it. You won't regret it. And it just leaves me to say a huge thank you to Andrew Norland. Once again, head on over to whenthelightsarebrightagain.com to secure your copy of the coffee table book of the same name, When the Lights Are Bright Again. I will put those links in the show notes. Thank you to Sure Microphones for continuing to be our equipment sponsor for this podcast. A huge thank you again to Shalisha Thomas of the Black Hair and the Big Leagues podcast. If you haven't checked her out, go do it. Head on over to Broadway Podcast Network website or app and listen to Salisha. She's amazing and full of energy. Lastly, a big thank you to all of you who tune in regularly to this podcast. Without you, we wouldn't be where we are today. We really appreciate it and look forward to bringing you even more episodes soon. Stay safe and look after yourselves. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.